Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times and the only podcast officially endorsed by the creator of the cosmos, G-O-double-D. And today's podcast, Benji and I are going to go into shifting your identity. It's the most important aspect of transformation that most people don't understand. I'm just really getting it myself. I'm really sinking my teeth into it. It's really exciting to know how much power we do have when we exercise said power. But it's actually quite difficult to even fathom how that process looks when you shift from being one person to another person, an addict to somebody who's recovered. It's an identity shift. Somebody who's anxious to somebody who's at peace. That's an identity shift. Everything requires us from going from where we are to some other place. And it's an internal shift. And we're going to get into that. So please enjoy this episode. It's going to help you regardless of wherever you're at in life. It's going to help. So enjoy it. Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy. It's me, Andy. And Joe, man. Howdy, howdy. Frenjamin. Benjamin is your Frenjamin. And Andy is just handy and dandy. And today we're going to talk about habits. We've gone over this topic from different angles, but I wanted to talk about the idea of adopting kind of a new identity in a sense uh, when you do change your habits. And the reason is this, like a lot of people out there, you are either struggling with porn or you're in a difficult relationship with yourself or with God or with a Mm -hmm. real person and you want that to change, but you don't realize that you actually have to change in many ways, not just externally through your habits, but like how you express yourself, even sometimes how you think and even sometimes how you walk and talk, right? And it sounds ludicrous, but that's why we want to talk about this because it's not only important, it's essential if you actually want to transform. So transformation is from the inside out. We all kind of know that, but I want to get into some details about how that looks because it's a lot different than most of us think, even though we've experienced the opposite to be true. How does that sound, Benji? Yeah, sounds good. Let's get into it. So one practical thing, okay? First day of high school. How was that for you, Benji? You mean first day of homeschooling? (laughs) (laughs) Homeschool. You're the worst person I could have asked that question. Yeah, I went to middle school in Korea. I went to a Korean public middle school, yeah. You're kind of sheltered. You're living a homeschool life. And then you fly to another continent, another land, and you're surrounded by new people. Do you remember how you felt the first day that you showed up at COP? Yeah, 12 years old, right? If you can imagine, without my parents, first time, I don't know why they sent, why anyone does that, but God bless (laughs) them. I think it was a good move because it really taught me a lot. Nervous, isolated, for sure isolated, just feeling alone, not really fitting in or knowing how to fit in. A lot of internal Mm -hmm. emotional battle. And so that's your first day. You're probably pooping in your pants a little bit, just super scared, worried about how people are going to receive you. And then was that a one-year thing or a two-year thing? That was two years. I was there. So you're there for two years. So do you remember the you that exited that two-year program? So you're now 14. Mm -hmm. Did you have a lot of friends? Were you like, you didn't want to even go home because you like had these really tight relationships? What was it like? That was perfect. Ready for marriage, ready for the blessing. No, not at all. It was, man, I, my mom tells me the stories of when she sent me off. You know, I'm a parent too, you are too, right? So just the idea of sending your kid off to a foreign country in Seoul, Korea, which is like <laughs> one of the most dangerous places for a kid to bike around town, walk around by themselves. She said she basically, you know, many nights would just cry 
And you wonder why a parent would do that, why any loving parent would send their kid off to a school with a bunch of other teenagers, right? And you might have heard stories of this program, right? But for me, honestly, it was like, there is something about my parents just letting go and letting me make mistakes and letting me take responsibility over my education, over my life habits, over the way I spend my own money on food or snacks or whatever, about my time, my free time. That is a life skill that is irreplaceable, regardless of how difficult it is. I'm so grateful for, honestly. And I think a lot of people would look back and say, oh, it's so terrible and difficult and isolating and I didn't have friends. But in the end, I learned a lot about myself. I think I was set up. I had the foundation to have a truly remarkable experience, honestly. Yeah. But who is that person? Who is the Benji that left that program? What I'm getting at is I'm guessing you didn't leave feeling nervous and all these things like you did on the first day. You probably right. were much more confident in that social group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could go around yeah. Korea on my own. <laughs> well, so that, that's amazing because not only did you transform how you showed up to this small group of people in this little program in a foreign land, but how you operated in the land itself. So guys, the reason I'm bringing this up is because Benji started his journey kind of nervous, not knowing what to do, and he became somebody totally different. If you compare the two, if you took like the starting of the journey, 12-year-old Benji, and put him right next to 14-year-old Benji in the same environment, right side by side, and you compared the two, they would be so vastly different. And if the 12-year-old, you could envision the 14-year-old version of you in the same scenario, but with more confidence on all that, it'd be hard for you to believe that you could change so much. And that's kind of what we're getting at here is everything we do, whatever we want that's outside of us or like even inside of us, but we haven't adopted it yet, we'll feel weird and new in the beginning, but it's a matter of acclimating to become that, right? And so there's an element of visualization that's needed. Things will be okay. And so in this situation, I'm not going to die, even though I'm far away from my parents. Right? You kind of have to believe this. And even if things are rough, it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. Mm. But it also takes some perseverance, but it also takes practicing. This is the weird thing. So this has been coming up in my groups in particular, is that if you want to be free from porn, you got to practice what it's like. Let's say you weren't watching porn. What would you do with your computer? How would you use it in the best possible way? How would you use your mind in the best possible way? What would you be thinking about? And it's about practicing that until that becomes the new you right? And it's on such a deep level that we don't even know that we're doing it. A lot of the times we're just trying to get rid of a bad habit while still being the same person. But actually, sometimes it requires some drastic measures. You know what I mean? Like if you want to fit in in a workplace, it's you got to kind of play the part, even though it's a new environment, right? But in terms of sexual integrity, like in order to really be free, you have to act like a person who is free. You can't just always be worried about being a slave all the time. That's how a slave thinks is they're always worried. But somebody who's really confident has to develop that confidence in themselves and their decision making. And that's practice. That goes back to your story, Benji. I'm hoping that we can kind of get into that because to be honest, like I was feeling pretty good about my life, except for my body. I've had developed like a bit of a dad bod. Like luckily I have some pretty decent genetics, so it's not out of control, but definitely my abs are obscure. Remember those 3D paintings where you really have to stare at it for a while in order to see a, an image? It's the same with my abs. You have to kind of stare at my belly for a while and be like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe I could see it, right? And so I got to the point where I was like, okay, 
I've tried working out here and there and it's not working. It's hard when you travel it, you know, I can't do it at home. It's kind of COVID life. I don't want to go to a gym. So then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sign up for a Spartan race. I just didn't even know what they were, but I just got this feeling. I'm going to, so I Googled it. And then the first day that I had that feeling, I asked somebody, I was like, hey, you. And it was like somebody that I know. I was like, you want to do a Spartan race? And he's like, yeah, it was perfect timing. He's like, yeah. This guy, Will, William, who lives in Denver with me. And I was like, let's do it. And then we signed up. And now I'm like the Spartan race guy. That's not who I am. I've never done it before. I looked at the videos and some of the people look so hardcore. Definitely like not who I identify with necessarily, but I'm becoming that guy. So now I'm training like a guy who is going to be successful at the Spartan race would train. And I'm doing pull-ups all the time, a lot of push-ups and I'm jogging. I don't normally jog, but now I'm a jogging guy. I normally am like, oh, I don't jog, right? That's my old self. But now I'm a guy that jogs and I'm getting better at jogging and I'm a guy that does pull-ups and it changes how I feel about myself. And I didn't even mean to, but now I've changed how I eat. Like now I don't even eat heavy breakfast. I just have smoothies for breakfast because that's what my body wants because that's what my mind wants. So like I'm becoming a fundamentally different person. I used to have concepts about people who run these kind of races, people who jog, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's not me. I'm this guy. I'm not that guy, right? But it's all garbage. It's coming from a place where I want to be in really good physical shape so I can feel better about my body, so I can regain my my vitality, my physical vitality. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got this cascading effect where it's actually transforming which shirts I wear now actually, because I realized I wasn't wearing certain shirts because it showed my belly. Like I had a bit of a belly and I was like, this is too embarrassing. So it seems little, but it's actually like changing how I walk out of my house and how I speak and like, you know, just how I feel about myself and how I feel about the world. But I'm actually becoming a different version of Andrew. And in Mm. the beginning, it's awkward. My first time jogging, I felt like such an idiot. I just wanted to apologize or wear have a sign that said, I'm not a jogger, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm sure. just doing yeah, this sure. because, you know? We should but make a shirt that says that. That's a good idea. I'm not a jogger, yeah. Or shoes that say I'm not a jog- jogging shoes that are not jogging, jogging shoes. But that's it. I'm now a little bit more okay with being a jogger. Now I just jog. It's just like no big deal. And maybe one day I'll just become a jogger. Mm. Who knows? But yeah, I just wanted to bring this up because a lot of people, they don't even sign up for high noon. I met a guy who recently just joined our program, Ascend Pro. Program. Mm. After his mom, he's in his 30s and his mom recommended it finally because he told her about it. But he knew about us from the beginning, from our first summit in Las Vegas. He wanted to go, but he didn't want to show up and have people be like, oh, you struggle with porn because he didn't want that to be a part of his identity. He's listened to all of our podcasts. He's like watched all of our stuff, but he didn't want to be that guy. And then guess what? He just joined a group and now he's feeling a lot better about himself because he realized that that was just a concept. So he's becoming that guy. But he didn't know that that guy actually just meant somebody who's free instead of somebody who's crapping his pants, worried about what other people think about him. Yeah, that brings up some question for me is, and then I'll address also a similar story to yours, Andrew, is how does physical health relate to integrity, sexual integrity in particular, and with self-development. I think that, especially with my groups, there seems to be a very strong correlation between physical health and people's integrity. Because the basic fundamental nature of someone who has a healthy body or a priority in investing in their physical health is that they are able to see long-term and they're able to recognize the impact of their daily decisions on their long-term health. 
And that also happens to be a fundamental quality of a happy, well-adjusted human being who has integrity, who has sexual integrity and control over themselves. And this goes into everything in terms of our emotional state, our physical state, our spiritual state. So to me, that's what comes up when you're sharing that is it really does affect every aspect of our body in many ways. For me, the story that comes up to my mind is when I was working in New York City, and this is crazy to think about now, but when I was working for the Family Fed headquarters in New York, we were living in New Jersey. And if you've ever, I know you have, Andrew, if you've ever lived in that area or done that commute to the city, it's like everyone's least favorite thing on the planet. And I think that's the (laughs) the sole reason why everyone in New York is unhappy, (laughs) in my opinion. So I started biking to work every day because I was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism, which overactive thyroid. And I was like really young, mid 20s. And I was really scared that I was actually going to have a heart attack or something. My heart rate was through the roof, like really fast racing heart rate. And they were like, you got to you got to take medication. That's what they said, of course. But then I discovered that I need to just exercise more. And I was like, why can I just bike? You know, it's a 26 mile round trip. I know it sounds crazy, but I did a few times and I was like, I'll do a few times, see how it goes. I bought a road bike and I just got hooked. Like I honestly like really got into cycling and I just enjoyed it so much more. And I did it every day for two years, every single day, even through the blizzards, even through the blistering heat, even when they said, don't come to work because it's snowing too much. (laughs) I got on my bike. I remember even getting on the bus and I was like, I better take the bus because it's snowing. And I remember getting on the bus and just seeing how miserable everyone was on the bus. There's (laughs) oh, it's snowing. I don't want to go to work today, but I have to. And then I got off the bus. It's like, I hate this. And then I biked. I got like, I like rode for half a block on the bus and then I got off again and then got on my bike. And I was just like so happy. And so the result of doing this habit just after about a month of doing it every day, you know, during the week, it gave me energy. Like it gave me the energy of life. And that's what I really wanted is like, I was tired of just coming home, playing with my kids and just being exhausted. I wanted to be on fire. I wanted to be excited. I wanted to have that upper level energy all day throughout the whole day. And that's what happened. Just after a month of doing that, I was like, I have more energy now. I'm more confident. I'm happy when I get to work. Everyone else who goes to work is kind of just like wet and sad and (laughs) so depressing. (laughs) I was just smiling, covered in snow or sweat or whatever. And then I would get changed and start work. And that's a different story. And Mm -hmm. you know, this is like a humble brag, but it's like something that I'm really proud that I did because like you're saying, this lifestyle sticks with me today. Even today, I was biking to the YMCA and to the cafe to, to do some work. And it's just something I do. Like anything under five miles, I'll bike to it, even with my kids. We'll bike, take them in the bike trailer. It's just what we do now because it's part of a life. And that's who I am. And I didn't think I would be that guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like hipster, hipster cycling guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's even cooler is you were the unhealthy guy and then you became the healthy guy. And like that transition is no small feat. It's an identity shift right? A lot of people who are caught in smoking or drinking and stuff like that, it's a part of their identity. I know a lot of people smoke for the social aspect of being a smoker because then you have something to do, a reason to stand next to somebody and talk to them. They don't even know that's why they smoke, but when you dig deeper, that's why it is. So to become a non-smoker, it's like the addiction is there, obviously, but then it's also, they don't know how to make friends anymore because they were a smoker their whole life and that's their identity. So who do they hang out with now? Or like you go from like a meat eater to a vegan, it changes, it changes how you see the world and everything, right? So that's a big deal. Like you said, there's there's a cascading effect. You have more energy, you're happier because you have this dopamine cycle associated to health now, right? Where you're biking to work and even though you're tired, especially on those hot days, you have this newfound energy because your body's rewarding you for taking care of it, right? But it's that identity shift is the important aspect that I'm trying to bring out in this podcast because we have so much of our identity connected to even 
I'll give you another example. This one's a little bit harsh. It's like, I really wanted for the past few years to have a really nice car and a really horrible car so that my identity is not connected to being fancy or poor looking, right? And I had a pretty decently fancy car just by accident. It was just circumstance. I was glad to get rid of it. You know, we traveled and we came back and somebody loaned us their car for the six months. It was really cool. But it's a 2001 Toyota Avalon with a lot of hail marks. The paint is faded on 40% of the car. And yesterday we went to a very fancy area because they have really nice parks, really nice, obviously fancy area, nice parks. And we parked there and nobody else was parked there. But when we went back to our car, we looked around, there's all these brand new, like really fancy infinity SUVs, like $80,000 and then our car. And I looked at it with our kids and I'm like, look at all these cars. They're so boring. Ours has personality, right? But there's a part of me, like when you hop into that car in a fancy neighborhood, people look at like, are you from around here? And you get that feeling. Like when we showed up, there were some moms in the park that kind of looked at us and like, we haven't seen your type around here. Or at least that's how I intuited it because somehow my self-worth is connected to the car that I drive. So it's good to test this stuff out. Again, it goes into the social media, like your avatar online, the stuff that you watch online. And if you're not conscious, then you've just created an identity by accident. But if you look at your own Facebook feed and you look at your own pictures, what you've deleted and what you've allowed to be on social media is based on the, the perception that you would think about yourself is acceptable. And whether that's congruent with the true self, your true self or not, is a very good question. But moving forward, a better question is, how do you want to show up? Especially if you're preparing for marriage, you right now is probably not the you that you would want to be in order to be fully ready for marriage. So becoming that person is a journey. If you already are blessed or married, then it's also a journey, but you're doing it together with somebody else, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So even like if you're not making the money that you would like to make in your life, like I interviewed somebody yesterday who's saying he was a data guy and then he turned into a relationship expert. And while he was making that transition, everybody in his life said, you can't do that. You can't be a relationship guy because you're a data guy. You're a computer guy. So he felt ashamed for a second, but then he realized, no, I'm okay with everybody telling me this. I'll just be who I say I am, not what you say I am. So think about even how that plays into your sexual integrity when you're like, I'm addicted. These are powerful words. These are very powerful. I'm an addict. No, you're a child of God. What if you just pretended to be the most powerful child of God that you could imagine and that becomes the real you? You would probably think differently. You'd probably be more confident when you speak. All this stuff changes depending on what you say about yourself and how you think about yourself. Yeah, there's a few people that come to mind that I want to share who are like that. I don't want to maybe say names. There's one guy I'll name because he's been on the podcast before. <laughs> you know, Gene, right? Gene Honeycutt. Yeah. He's a really good yeah. friend of mine. He's so open to talk about his story. And you can check out his podcast that he did as well. His matching process, right, when he was preparing for a relationship was really beautiful. In my experience of helping for the last decade, people go through this process of finding a spouse and getting to know each other and committing to marriage and the blessing is that the one kind of defining quality of people that I think is basically their confidence in themselves as a child of God period. 
And if you can be confident, regardless of what you bring to the table, regardless of what habits, past experiences, mistakes, physical attributes you have, if you bring simply the confidence that I'm a child of God and I bring so much to this relationship beyond anything that anyone else has that's unique to me, if you bring that confidence, then that is super attractive. People will jump on that. And I've seen this over and over, even people who are like, I'm like, oh, I don't know if, you know, like, frankly, this like, you know, it's like, I don't know if. I mean, like Gene is Gene is Gene, right? He's like, he's Gene. I mean, he's amazing, but he doesn't look at himself as like the five foot whatever Japanese dude, right? He looks at himself as child of God. And I bring a lot of compassion and care and all, like all the great attributes that he has. And that's just really something that his current wife, Marina, really grabbed onto. And initially I was like, Marina, I don't understand. I even said at their wedding when I gave the toast or what, I was like, Marina, I don't see what you see in Gene, but good luck, you know? <laughs> so honestly, I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> But she sees it because I think because Gene sees himself that way. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. You can yeah. see it in the people who, like I said, I've advised a lot of people, even people like, ah, I think you should change this. Maybe like the way you present yourself or the way you do your hair, or maybe you should lose some weight or something like that. You know, kind of the limited thinking I have, but then they somehow bring so much a different spin on it. And it's just so beautiful to see it for men and women, by the way. So I think that not confidence, like the superficial confidence of like, I'm buff, I'm beautiful, I, I'm fit or whatever. It's like the truly like, I am a child of God and I know exactly what I bring to this world and only I can bring it to a spouse. So when you bring that to the table, that's just, I mean, game over. Yeah, and well, you're dad, right? I'm a dad and it's weird. Or even when you get married to say, this is my wife in the beginning is it's a real novelty and it feels weird saying it. And but then when you're like, I'm a dad or I have kids, it's all new, but it becomes a part of who you are. That becomes a part of your identity. Right. And that's fine. It's all fine. We're, we're creating our identity as we go, but you're either creating it unconsciously, which is usually not so great and it's definitely not so powerful, or you're creating it consciously because you're making all of your decisions consciously and unconsciously based on who you think you are, right? So if you're like, oh, I'm not worthy of love, I'm only worthy of porn and stuff like that, then when somebody who is trying to tell you I love you, they're trying to show you signs of love, you don't see it, you don't perceive it because you're seeing everything through the lens of being somebody who's not worthy, who sucks, who's stupid, right? How many times have somebody told you you're stupid or ugly or whatever that you believed it for a second? So it's not believing what the world tells you you are, but believing who God says you are. And when you really, really believe that, you simply don't have time for the waste. You don't have space for the waste because it doesn't make sense for who you are. Similar to this, it's like, I had a burger last night. We went out for burgers after this park experience that I was telling you about. And I felt like I was dying because I'm the healthy guy now. So to have a burger actually threw me for a loop before, never really felt it. Last night, I woke up this morning, just some issues going on, like not feeling so good. My belly just is bloated too. I just, I went right back because it's not a part of who this person is that I'm recreating myself to be. So that's the good thing about, I guess, religion and especially the divine principle, this idea of recreation and resurrection can happen within the self at any time. You can resurrect yourself and recreate yourself any day of the week. The moment that you cling on to, I want this to be my identity. And so that really is directly correlating to sexual integrity, to building yourself in the image of your ideal version of yourself instead of the kind of lackluster version that you were up until this point. So what would you say is the defining point that people should do or think people should do initially when they have a bad habit or bad approach to something and changing that into the person they want to be or the habit they want it to be? 
Yeah. So if you have a bad habit, that's great that you can identify that, but you're not going to be able to change that habit as you. You have to become somebody else who doesn't do that habit, right? That's like shedding a layer of skin of the old version of you. So that's where the North Star goal comes in. And I've spoken at this ad nauseum, but it's because it's so important that the North Star goal is getting better at identifying that version of you that you want to be, that child of God version of you, and then saying, well, what would that person do? And practicing that. What would that person think? And practicing that. What would that person feel? And practicing that. Because it even changes. Like if you're in the moment and you're like, the child of God version of me is very calm in stressful situations. Mm -hmm. Well, when somebody's chewing you out and you're about to yell at them back, you take a breath and like, no, because the child of God version of me can handle this. Mm -hmm. And like it changes your, the structure of your brain and the subsequent feeling. You can actually customize how you think about yourself if you're decided on it, right? Yeah. So the North Star goal is super important, I think. But the real magic is not, oh, I want to make $50,000 in the next three months. It's more like, who is the person that I want to become and how do they operate? And then practicing that and everything falls into line based on that. Yeah, I can share something that I find personally very helpful and I hope it's helpful for others. I have a general motto in my life for every aspect of my life is that if I'm not enjoying it, then I'm doing it wrong. And I don't know where I heard that, but every day I think about it, whatever I'm doing. This comes into play in my parenting as a father, which is huge. <laughs> if I'm not enjoying being a dad, I'm not doing it right. And it comes into work, the work that I do. It comes into how I get from point A to point B, right? Biking or driving. Am I enjoying it? It comes into the way I sleep. Hundoke even, reading God's word. I don't like reading God's word. I don't. So I listen to it. <laughs> I like get a PDF and I have some like robot read it to me because that's just more enjoyable and my kids and my wife can hear it together in the morning. And the list goes on and on. So that's basically like, I mean, going back to my cycling habits, like I really didn't enjoy going to work. So I just was like, I have to either move somewhere closer or I have to just commit to biking from New Jersey to New York every day. And I enjoyed it and I got into it. I didn't just dread the ride. I really like delved into it as a hobby and I researched, I got all the gear. I was so excited about it. I watched all the YouTube videos, whatever it is. Fitness is something really exciting, right? Spartan race, that's super exciting stuff right there. Parenting, what can I do to make the everyday task of being a dad enjoyable? Whether it's reading together, whether it's, you know, reading is something they say is so important, right? I don't enjoy reading the same book all the time. So I only get books that I enjoy reading to my kids. I know that's selfish. <laughs> but like Dr. Seuss, I love reading Dr. Seuss. It's just so fun to read. And we go to the library almost every week and we get like 30 or 40 books every time because I enjoy reading new books. And when we get home and read them, I enjoy that. But I don't enjoy reading the same books over and over. So I'm just like, sorry, guys, we're getting new books because I don't like this. So that helps me at least kind of keep tabs on who I want to be and make sure that I'm living into that is just do I enjoy it? And what mm -hmm. can I do to make sure that I'm enjoying my work in particular or my relationships? Yeah, exactly. That's great. And that's the decision that you made. Like you really believe in that ethos of enjoying stuff. So that's what you committed to doing and you figure out a way of doing it. So the brain really needs to prove itself right. So if you do decide that you are not worth very much and that you're stupid, your brain will find every reason to prove that to be true. And it's very subtle because sometimes we don't say it out loud, but look at your life and find out if you have a struggling point, then what belief do you hold that allows you to be struggling in such a way? Why do you permit yourself to make certain mistakes again and again and again? What story are you telling yourself? So this is all kind of esoteric, but also extremely practical. 
because it influences how you are. So just look at your life and be like, who do I think I am and who do I want to be? And if you can figure out who you want to be, how do you practice being that person more and more until that's just who you are? That's the magic of the North Star goal. Yeah, I just want to share one thing that came to mind. We're talking about habits. For me, like physical habits aren't so difficult, like the biking. That's like waking up, whatever. For me, what's always been challenging is the more emotional habits, you know, how we respond to things in particular. And something that I struggled with a long time is particularly in relationship with my wife or really anyone is it was very hard for me to not take things personally, you know, whether it's a criticism or a comment, or even just an innocent comment that my wife made a particular, it would always like spiral me into this like feeling attacked and taking it personally and reacting in a very negative way, even with frustration and anger. And it just went on for years and years and even spiraled to a point where like my wife didn't feel comfortable to be honest sometimes because she was afraid that I was going to react negatively, right? It's a terrible <laughs> yeah. situation to be in a relationship where you can't be honest, right? So this wasn't until, I would say in the last few years even, I can testify now, like just yesterday, even my wife was having a pretty rough day. There's a lot going on. She's really busy preparing for Sammy's wife. Igu has a birthday party tomorrow and she's making a giant cake, a macaroon tiramisu cake. Can you imagine? What? Yeah, and making it all. And she was kind of having a rough, stressful day. And she was maybe being a little edgy with me and making comments at me or telling me, you know, and typically I would really take it personally and be like, I worked so hard and blah, 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 blah. And, and it's like, how can you say that? You shouldn't say stuff like that. You know, you should be more this or that. But I was really proud of myself yesterday because I was just kind of more like not laughing it off, but just kind of like smiling, be like, yeah, I get it. You know, and it might not be the best approach to just like laugh it off, but it's way more valuable or bigger improvement than me just responding with anger to her. Mm. Uh, frustration. So I was just like, yeah, you know, and I did that all day until the very end of the night. And she just felt so calm at the end, because I just didn't let it get to me. I just was like a black hole of love for her. And she just was able to let loose and calm down at the end. And that's something that took a long time for me to do. But I know that anger itself, especially in a relationship is poison to a relationship. It's Mm -hmm. poison to a marriage. It's poison to a parent-child relationship. It's poison to children. And I think I was really able to change that because I recognize the impact of me being that way. And for me, that's the first step for any change in my life, especially emotional and spiritual ones, is recognizing the impact that me being this way is having. And then when I recognize the impact, I break down emotionally. And I just like, I can't believe I've been this way to my kids. Like, I can't believe I've been this really frustrated dad or husband. And I just, I can't believe it. And then when that happens, it's like the first step that I can actually start being a different version of myself, where I'm just more like a black hole of love, where whatever's thrown my way, I can just accept it as love. And I can now be more stern and loving at the same time to my kids, yeah. right? Whereas before, if they were, you know, my son, particularly six, is not listening or he won't clean up or whatever. I just be like, just clear, come on, just get in the car. Just get in the car. Put, put your seatbelt on. Hurry up, right? But now I can be that, but loving at the same time, like stern and loving. I remember true father said before my son was born, I was reading Hanukkah about parenting. And he said, your responsibility as a parent is to be your child's best friend and their best teacher. I basically tattooed that on my forehead. You are your child's best friend and their best teacher. I took that as I have to be loving and firm in my values and teach them in a loving way. And that's the hard thing. But I think making the mental shift of I don't want to be this frustrated, angry person. I want to be loving, but also teach values to my children. So yeah, if that's helpful at all, that that's what's really helped me a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's really important that you can even change how you react. 
that. I think most people don't think because I'm the angry guy, right? You're the spaz dad. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be like a lot of it is negotiable. Some of it takes a little bit more work than others, but just know that you can customize it, especially when you're really clear about what you want to do. Okay. You don't want to yell at your kids. Well, what do you want to do? Practice that, right? It's all possible. Everything's in our control. You know, and it has these impacts. Like so many people think, oh, we have heart problems that run in our family. Is that true? Or do you have anger problems that create heart problems in your family? It's so much deeper than just the physiological results. So anyway, it impacts every aspect of our life. But the thesis that we're presenting here today is that your habits are largely dictated by what you think you deserve and who you think you are. So if that's serving you well, fantastic. And if not, you can change at any point in time who you think you are and what results you get. So please do so. If you're not in a place that is very happy, and if chances are, if you're listening to this, then there's some aspect of your life that you're looking to improve. Know that that's absolutely possible. But first, you have to get clear on what you would rather be or feel or experience and practice that, practice that, practice that, practice that. It's very practical. Just practice it. So thank you guys for listening. At any point in time, if you need help practicing, we have our Ascend program. We have our podcast. We have blogs. If you need us to develop more content for some specific niche that we haven't covered yet, let us know. Tell us. Give us feedback. We love hearing from you guys. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone. God bless. We love you. God bless you all. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here for one last announcement, and that is I encourage you to join our newsletter. We don't spam people. We give you the goods. We give you good quality information once a week in your email. And so we send out newsletters probably Saturdays mid-morning on average and these are filled with blogs the latest content everything you need to know in order to get through your week with high noon light so let us light up your inbox join our newsletter by going to highnoon.org it's all right there it's super easy we won't spam you we just want to let you stay connected to this high noon providence so go to highnoon.org and sign up for our newsletter